0: Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a Paradox.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Paradox. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Jimmy. And we are in the second part of a three-part series centered around the documentary Leaving My Father's Faith, which is about Bart Campolo, the son of Tony Campolo, who's been interviewed on the show, And who was active in his dad's ministry, working in inner city ministries. And he, over time, became an atheist. And it's a story of them and their discussions about it. And so, what we did starting last week with the sovereignty of God, and really, if God's all loving and all powerful, how can evil and suffering exist is really kind of the issue last week. These are the three major parts of the Jenga stack that were removed for Bart Campolo that caused his faith to crumble. And last week was the existence of pain and suffering. I tell you again, if you haven't, please get the movie, rent it, $3.99 or whatever on Amazon. Watch it. If you're married, watch it with your spouse, because what we're talking about is going to make a whole lot more sense if you've watched their discussion in the movie. It's a really, really interesting movie. Beth, my wife, who just hates apologetics, she hates talking about these things, found it really fascinating. Today, we're going to talk about universalism, or all roads lead to heaven. It doesn't make any difference what you believe, as long as you're sincere in believing it. Then you're going to go to heaven. The story that sets it up for Bart Campolo, he's working in the inner cities, so he's already seen the poverty and the suffering, and that's already knocked one leg out from under his faith. Now he has a woman come up who is a non-believer, and she states she's a non-believer. But she really appreciates the work they're doing with the poor in the inner city of Camden, New Jersey. She says, when I was young, I was raped as a child. I went to my Sunday school teacher and said, well, where was God during this? And the Sunday school, the well-meaning Sunday school teacher said, well, God is sovereign, honey, so if this horrible, mindlessly horrific thing happened to you, there has to be a purpose in it. Well, she turned around and walked, never to touch Christianity again. So here's Bart Campolo. He said, basically, there's no way that God could allow this thing to happen in her life that caused her to reject Christianity and then he sends her to hell because she's rejected Christianity. He's the one basically that did it to her if he's sovereign. So she's got to go to heaven. She just has to. There's no way that God is going to pull a gotcha on something like that. So if she can get to heaven without accepting Christ as her savior, that opens the door then for a lot of other people to get in without bending their knee to Jesus as well. Therefore, All roads lead to heaven. He becomes a universalist. Hear his story in the movie. And now listen to Andy Bannister, who we've had on the show before. He wrote the book, The The Atheist Who Doesn't Exist. An amazing guy. We ask him, he's an apologist, a PhD in Islamic studies and apologetics. We ask him to answer if Bart Campolo was to come up to him. How would he answer Bart Campolo on the issue of universalism? Andy, the second stumbling block that Bart Campolo addresses in the movie, he sets it up this way. He's telling the story of speaking with a young girl from that Camden, New Jersey neighborhood who had been gang raped as a child. And she is telling Bart the story of her then as a child going to her Sunday school teacher and basically saying, hey, where was God? You know, why didn't God help me? And the Sunday school teacher was reported to have said, honey, God is sovereign, so he must have allowed this horrible thing to happen for a reason. There must be a lesson in this for you to learn. Now, here's the stumbling block, and this is the quote from Bart Campolo. I started to become a universalist. I knew that God was going to save this girl, this girl who'd been raped, even though she didn't believe in him. God's grace had to extend farther than those who accept him. If you have a friend that comes up and, and they kind of espouse this, all paths lead to heaven. God is not going to send any good person to hell. How do you answer the the question of, of universalism?
2: Well, you know, the interesting thing about that question is is one I've kind of, you know, sort of wrestled through a lot kind of personally because my, you know, my PhD is in Quranic studies. So although I'm a Christian. I did, you know, I studied Islamic theology for seven years and so I've had many you know, Muslim friends over the years and and Muslims who, you know, outwardly live very good lives. And so, you know, the obvious simple answer is to go, you know, every path leads to the top of the mountain, you know, all good dogs go to heaven, you know, like the Disney movie and so on and so forth. But, of course, a couple of things that are problematic about that when you push into it. Firstly, of course, it's deeply patronizing because effectively it would lead me to say to my Muslim friends, well, you know, you think what you believe is different, but if only you were as sophisticated as me, you would see that all religions are the same. And so I think without meaning to, if Bart takes that position, you know, the universalist position is deeply patronizing because it claims to no know better than everybody else and assume that it, you know, and sort of preach a message that if only you were as a, you know as sophisticated and tolerant as tolerant as I were, you'd see that all roads lead to God, is the first thing. Secondly, it ignores some pretty fundamental differences between the different belief systems. Uh, in the world, I mean, just Islam and Christianity, just as a case in point. I mean, one of the massive differences there is that you know the heart of the heart of the Christian message stands the the claim that Jesus was you know crucified by the uh, by the by the Jewish and Roman authorities acting together sometime around about a d thirty, and uh, then you know rose bodily from the dead three days later. Islam denies that Jesus was crucified. Yeah, you got a problem because you've got a historical claim now either he was or he wasn't you can't sort of fudge that and go well he sort of maybe half was and half wasn't and and uh, and somehow hold those things together and I think the universalist position you know I think begins out of a sort of sense of oh wouldn't it be nice to kind of hug everybody but very quickly you start losing truth and there's a, there's a there's a problem there and you kind of butt up against uh, against reality and of course I think that the universalist um, position also ends up with a problem of what do you do with those who genuinely want nothing to do with God? I mean, you read Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion, you know, one of the world's most, you know, uh, uh, best-selling atheist writers. He's pretty clear he wants nothing to do with God. So presumably, you know, uh, if he was to end up in in God's heaven, that would be hell for Richard because he wants uh, the idea of an eternity, you know, in the presence of the very being he spent his entire life running away from and wanting nothing to do with. And um, there's a degree to which I like I like sort of C.S. Lewis's old idea that um, you know the doors of hell are in some ways locked on the inside. Hell is God's ultimate guarantee mm-hmm. of human freedom. If you want an eternity, if you want a place where God is not, then then God offers that to you. Um, so I think I sort of want to begin responding there. I mean, there's a number of other things I could say, but um, over to you, folks, for for a comment for a moment.
1: When it comes to you know this idea that all roads lead to heaven, yeah, you know, I remember watching Oprah say once, do you think God really cares whether you call his son Jesus or not? To me, it sort of leads to the cross. I mean, if if all roads lead to heaven, why in the world would God send his only son to be butchered on a cross? If I could just be a good Baha'i, uh, a, a good Muslim, uh, a good Buddhist. Why in the world would God have done that?
2: Well, I'd say the other, uh, there's a couple of other things here that are hugely important. I mean, the first question is whether you're whether you're going to be a consistent universalist to say everybody goes to heaven. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're uh, Mother Teresa or Donald Trump or Pol Pot or you know Hitler or uh, Bart Campo. Everybody gets to go. Or whether you try and draw it a bit narrower and say, well, all good people go. Most universalists like me are a bit nervous about saying it's everybody because everybody has people they really think are beyond the pale, and so most <laughs> people tend to say, "Well, good people." Well, then of course becomes a problem. Who decides what good looks like? <laughs> Who decides? Um, yeah. If I decide, well, you know that's a bit problematic because I'm biased, right? I mean, that's rather like my throwing a, you know, firing a uh, firing an archery um, bolt at a, a at a barn door and then drawing a, a bullseye around where the arrow lands, and I can say, "Look, I'm a I'm a world championship archer." um because I've just I've drawn the target afterwards but the other uh, is an even deeper problem if you start saying well heaven is on the basis of you know if you live a good life or a moral life or all those kind of things it ends up actually with you being incredibly intolerant and bigoted and self-righteous. You, you end up like the Pharisees, actually, in the New Testament Gospels, mm-hmm. because you end up basically saying, well, I'm a good person, so I'm going to heaven. Uh, but, of course, not like those people over there. You know, they're, uh, they're nasty. They're immoral. They didn't vote the right way. You know, they're not as, they're not as good as me. And I think one of the things I find as I read the New Testament and listen to Jesus that's so striking is time and time again, Jesus' basic problem with people, uh, particularly religious people, interestingly enough, were people who thought because of their good deeds, their good behavior, their good uh, belief or whatever it was, that alone would get them to heaven. And I think his problem with people like the Pharisees and others was because it caused them to look down on others. And the incredible thing about the, about the gospel, when you take it seriously, it's an incredible leveler because it says we can't bring anything. Um, in, you know, do all paths lead to God? Well, the simple answer is no. Path leads to God. Only God can lead us to God, and that's what He's done in the person of uh, of Jesus. And so, I think you're, you're you're right when you said universalism completely ignores the cross and and just how drastic an action uh, was needed um, in order to uh, to, to bring us back into relationship with the God who made us and loves us.
3: You mentioned with universalism that all truth kind of starts to break down. This might be a stupid question, but Does that matter to them, to Universalists, that truth begins to break down? Isn't that kind of what they desire?
2: Well, I think the interesting thing is the way that people deploy that idea... Only in a certain number of places. The only place where that really turns up is in it is in ethics, where people say, Well, I can I can behave however I want. You know, I will decide what's right and wrong for myself. Thank you very much. And then they sometimes deploy it in religion. I can believe whatever I want. But in no other sphere of life would, would we would we accept that. I mean the analogy I sometimes use with folks, because it ties into I think the way the New Testament thinks about the cross. I think if you you know if you were to go to if if a listener to this was to go to their doctor complaining of sort of terrible stomach pains and the doctor was to do a few tests and go, Well, I'm terribly sorry you've got this really virulent stomach condition that's actually going to kill you in three months. And of course you'd look nervous and terrified. And then the doctor said, Well, the good news is there is a cure. You go, Oh, that's fantastic, doctor, what is it? And then the doctor says, Well. You know, I don't like to be prescriptive, pardon the pun. You know, I don't like to be too sort of confident. I'll tell you what, why don't you come around to this side of the table? Look, I'll open my desk drawer and in here are lots of pills. There are some red ones and some green ones and pink ones. Maybe best to avoid the blue diamond shaped ones. You know, you pick whichever pill works for you. You know, which I mean, that that green one goes nicely with your tie. You, you, You take a handful of pills and go help yourself. How many of us would say, oh, my word, what a wonderful doctor, so progressive, so so inclusive? Or would we be grabbing our doctor by the shirt collar and saying, tell me what I need because I want to get well? And, of course, we all know the answer is the latter. And that really is the way I think the New Testament also talks about the gospel and about the cross. The, the, the message of the New Testament is not, hey, here's Jesus. He had a few good ideas. If you like them, great. If not, well, here's Buddha. The New Testament answer, uh, message is, look, there's actually something wrong with us. The human heart is wicked, but above all things, we are actually broken and twisted as human beings. And incidentally, if you don't believe that, just open the newspaper and uh, and uh, or turn on the new television news each day. And you can see just how bad humanity is writ large or just try and keep your own moral standards for a day or two and discover how far you get. And I think the New Testament says there's something drastically wrong with us and it needs a drastic cure. And that's why the only way to God runs through Jesus Christ, because it was just that drastic cure that God has offered us. But the great news is, yes, that's, ex- that's an exclusive truth, but it's the most inclusive, exclusive truth in the world because nobody is turned away. Jesus says all are welcome. To come to me, it doesn't matter what your racial background or your sexuality or your religious background. You can come as a Muslim or a Hindu or an atheist or whatever. Jesus stands with his arms open, welcoming anybody who's willing to come and bow the knee and say, "Jesus, I've made a mess of my life, and uh, you know I need you to put it back together again. Please forgive me and uh, come into my life as Lord and Savior." And uh, what amazes me as I've traveled and taught over the years is how many people from hugely different backgrounds have discovered that. I have former Muslim friends who are Christians from, you know, almost any country you could name, former Hindu friends, Buddhist friends, atheist friends. And as somebody once said, you know, there's only one path to God, and that's Jesus. But there are as many ways to Jesus as there are people who come.
3: Very nice. Tell me you've won some debates on the pill example. (laughs)
2: <laughs> the example <pill looks> <laughs> is that everyone you need oh. Bait?
1: oh i'm throwing that one down as soon as i get a chance
2: you should throw that you should definitely throw that one down <laughs> I, I, the, the very serious thing about that is is the fact that i think you know in any other area of life we don't accept that kind of crazy yeah, exactly rise, but, exactly you know we wouldn't accept it from a doctor we wouldn't accept it from a pilot yes. when we climbed on a plane saying hey you know what i'm going to throw the rule book out the window and just make things up as I go
1: when i went to howard payne back in the day I mean, I had I had a small class with the guy who wrote the textbook, the people in the business office. By the way, I went to college way, way before parents were thought to help pay for or to pay for or be involved in a large degree in helping someone, you know, handle college. And so I was always after scholarships. There would be times I didn't have money. And those sweet ladies in the business office would always go digging up and find me some financial help, academic advisors certainly knew your name. Professors that you didn't even have classes with them knew their name. Kids who go to, and adults that go to Howard Payne University, New Bronzeville, they love it for the one-on-one advising and the teaching that they receive. They build relationships with their professors and advisors who truly do care about their success. I
3: was walking on campus at Howard Payne one time with Katie, my wife, and she attended Texas A&M University. She obviously walks on campus and doesn't exist. I walked around and three, this was probably 12 years after I graduated, and three people, Josh Myers, what are you doing here 12 years later? So Howard Payne is definitely student friendly. If you want more information about Howard Payne, New Bronville, you can give them a call. This at 8- amazing
1: thing. I mean, we we keep talking about Howard Payne, you know, in central Texas, in Brownwood, but this new campus in New Bronzeville, you know, just, just north of San Antonio, just south of Austin.
3: You can give them a call at 830-629-2366. You can visit them on the web, hputx.edu backslash nb. Instagram, Twitter, nb, and Facebook is hputxnewbronvilles.
1: Once again, Are you going to
3: profess your love for Andy?
1: I love Andy. Okay. This may be, for me, one of the easiest. And again, in the movie, it just sort of was just left laying there like, oh, yeah, there's no answer to that. There's no answer to universalism. When it comes to this, I'm so reminded there's a, you can get it on YouTube, of Oprah Winfrey when she had a show, and in between takes, she's talking to her audience, and she kind of gets into it with a Christian in her audience. And she says the words... Ma'am, do you really think God cares whether you call his son Jesus or not? And that was like the perfect—that's just the perfect sort of picture of what universalism is, that all roads lead to heaven. And to me, that is one of Bart Campolo's issues that I thought lacked the most rationality.
3: And that's what makes this whole thing interesting. As a Christian, and as a a Muslim, and as a Jew— You think universalism is stupid and lacks rationale, but a universalist would think that your narrow mindset is stupid and lacks rationale. So that's the interesting thing about this.
1: Most, if not all, major religions have claims that are mutually exclusive.
3: Monotheistic religions.
1: Yeah. Well, even the polytheistic religions think that that's correct. Correct. He uses Islam and Christianity, for example, that Islam absolutely says Jesus was, did not die, and was not resurrected off the cross. Flat out, that is part of the theology of Islam, where Christianity says it absolutely is. Jews would say he died but didn't resurrect. So we have claims that are mutually exclusive. They cannot both be true and we at use the same those, time.
3: We use those three examples because those are the thir- the world's three monotheistic religions, Correct. meaning belief in one God. Yeah. Everything else is polytheism, Polytheid. where you believe in multiple gods.
1: And here's the thing. Universalism, or all, loads, it beca- all roads go to heaven, it denies truth. Truth is exclusive. The reason that two plus two is four is because it's not any other number. By saying that two plus two is four, the reason that answer is true is that it excludes all other possibilities. Universalism seems to focus on feelings. Man, wouldn't it be great? And by the way, wouldn't it be great if just, it didn't matter what you believed as long as you were sincere, you don't beat your spouse, you pay your taxes, and everything's going to be great. But, you know, again, facts don't really, and truth doesn't care about feelings. It's like Austin, where we're coming from, is the capital of Texas. Not Lubbock, not Beaumont, not Tyler. Does that make those other towns feel inferior? Do they feel bad that we say that Austin's the capital? Uh, Maybe, but it's the capital. Is it bigoted to say that? Is it intolerant to say that? I don't know if it is, but it's true.
3: Universalism just doesn't make sense to me in the sense that, uh, I mean, like the sovereignty of God last week, we actually had to discuss. We landed on kind of one central truth with it, but there was a discussion with universalism. It's like, well, gravity exists. I'm overweight. I'm Caucasian. I'm a male. Like there's truth in this world.
1: is there? Is there? Well, do you feel like a male?
3: I <laughs> don't get me started there. Go back to okay. season one to listen to our episode yeah. on transgenderism. But so for me, it's like I answer yes after you you spoke because ah, there's nothing else to say. I mean, it's just like yeah. there's truth exists, and subsequently our belief set. And oh, by the way, all of their religions have exclusivity within them. And so this is just kind of a piece that doesn't necessarily make sense for me.
1: The thing that is bottom line for me in this is that if you could get to heaven by being a good Muslim, by being a good Buddhist, by being a good Mormon, by being a good—if you could—just by being a good person, then why in the world would God have sent his only son— to be tortured and murdered on a cross. If you could get to heaven a thousand other ways, why would that have happened? The only thing that makes the cross, which is central to the religion of Christianity, is that it was the only way.
3: Which makes sense to a Christian audience, mm-hmm. but you couldn't use that argument for
1: uh, an, an, a Muslim. Well, no, because they think we're wrong anyway. Correct. So but it, that that your
3: argument makes it, sense to a Christian.
1: Well, it does. In that they can't all be true. I mean, Christianity—the whole concept of Christianity—makes no sense whatsoever. If you can get to heaven, just whatever. And I loved he kind of threw in. Well, what about atheists? If everyone's going to heaven, they don't want to go to heaven. What? What do you do with the atheist who spent their whole lives avoiding and not wanting to be around God? Now you're going to force them to go to heaven? So universalism, in my opinion, I think both of our opinions, is that it is one of Bart Campolo's Jenga pieces. It's the one that makes the least rational sense.
3: If you want more information about this episode, go to paradoxpodcast.com. You can find our socials there. You can find this episode, past episodes, and information about future episodes. We thank you for listening, and we also appreciate you sharing and reviewing. Thanks,
1: bye-bye. See ya.
0: Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox...
3: I know it's frustrating, but in our frustration, if we're able to understand the differences of the gender within marriage, it leads to then empathy, and then empathy will lead to more love and respect. If we don't have the empathy we can have frustration that leads to bitterness and resentment and then distance in marriage. And ultimately, that's the problem. So if we don't understand the differences and we're not able to empathize with our spouse and celebrate the difference, it leads to frustration, it leads to not listening, it leads to stonewalling, it leads to contempt, and it leads to distance.